0: Hey there, Dr. Rob here, and you're listening to the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health. The next two podcasts will cover an area that takes a lot of my time and my practice, anxiety and depression. These two problems are not just mental health issues. Their presence can also greatly affect a person's physical health. Today I'll focus on anxiety, although I will start out with some general principles around both of these conditions. When discussing anxiety and depression, we first have to define terms because both words represent emotions and medical conditions. Anxiety, the emotion, is a normal part of life. If you see a flashing lights in your rearview mirror, you get anxious. Simply feeling anxious is not cause for medical concern. The same thing is true of the emotion in depression, sadness, which also happens as a normal part of life. Clinical anxiety and depression are not the same as the emotions, although the emotions are obviously present. These are real medical problems that have big impact on your life. Two things separate emotional states from clinical conditions, duration and severity. In order to officially diagnose clinical anxiety and depression, symptoms have to last more than three months and have to have a significant impact on daily function of life, although in reality, they're often diagnosed before three months. So I'm going to leave depression for next week and focus on anxiety now. So what is anxiety? Anxiety, the emotion, is a feeling of powerlessness or helplessness. If you had a magic button in your car that made the police car behind you disappear, the presence of those lights wouldn't make you anxious. They wouldn't be so traumatic. It's the inability to control things we think may hurt us that makes us anxious. When clinical anxiety exists, it makes life feel out of control, which creates more anxiety. That is perhaps the hardest thing about clinical anxiety. You get anxious about being anxious. But anxiety takes many forms, many of which don't even look all that much like anxiety. When a person feels out of control, they find ways to compensate. A good example of this is obsessive-compulsive disorder, or OCD. Many people with OCD have something in their life, past or present, that they want to control but can't. Perhaps they were abused as a child, or perhaps they've lost a spouse or a child. The reaction is to control something that is in their power like keeping the house clean, washing their hands, or locking the door. That attempt to control things becomes a compulsion, something they can't stop themselves from doing. Sometimes anxiety is a nonspecific feeling of worry or dread, such as with generalized anxiety disorder. Anxiety can be very specific to situations such as phobias, including fear of bugs, snakes, and public speaking, heights, or water. I'm not talking about people who just don't like bugs or snake. I don't know many people who do. I'm talking about people who won't leave their house because of those fears. Sometimes the anxiety revolves around relationships, as is the case of social anxiety disorder. And sometimes the symptoms come in episodic flares, like with panic disorder. Finally, some people escape their anxiety using drugs, alcohol, or other addictions. This list of the different types of anxiety is by no means exhaustive. The bottom line with these behaviors is their reaction to the person's vulnerability or helplessness. So what causes anxiety? Like most illnesses, anxiety disorders are a mix of heredity and environment. Having a family member with clinical anxiety doesn't guarantee you will have it, but it will make you more prone to trauma that can trigger clinical anxiety but please hear me on this important point anxiety has a reason it's not a moral weakness or a lack of faith in god that makes people struggle unfortunately people around those with clinical anxiety don't know that and they often chide them to just not worry so much or just have faith that adds the emotion of shame to the struggle with anxiety and it's unnecessary People with anxiety disorders don't wake up in the morning and think, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to be anxious today. Oh, uh, I guess I will. No, they would love to stop, but they can't. So what can be done about anxiety? Well, here are my quick and dirty tips for dealing with anxiety. Tip number one, don't feel ashamed. I wouldn't blame you for bleeding if I threw a brick at you. And most people dealing with anxiety have had emotional bricks thrown their way. Tip number two, look for root causes. Usually, there's something from the past that hasn't been dealt with that you're either trying to escape from or resolve. Understanding why you feel the way you do helps a lot in trying to overcome it. Tip number three, talk to someone. If the anxiety is not too big, talking to a friend, family member, or religious leader might help. But big anxiety, anxiety that casts a long shadow in your life, usually needs professional help find a counselor who has been trained to treat anxiety. You shouldn't be ashamed for seeking help. It's a much worse thing to run from your problems. And tip number four, take medications if needed. There are two main kinds of medication for anxiety, ones that last a short time, and ones that you take every day and last all day. The shorter acting medications are usually medications like Valium or Xanax, and they can be addictive if you use them too often. If you need one of these medications more than a few times a week, you should probably consider getting on a preventive daily medication like Paxil or Zoloft. These medications don't fix the root problems causing your anxiety, but they do steady your emotions enough so that you can face those bigger anxieties that lurk in the shadows and maybe deal with them. Well, I'll stop here for now. There's a whole lot more I could say, but I just wanted to give an overview. Next week, I'll cover anxiety's cousin, depression. Alright, if you have topics you want me to cover, send them to housecalldoctor at com, or you can submit them to me on Twitter at housecalldoc or visit my Facebook page. And don't forget about my blog, Musings of a Distractable Mind. Let me once again remind you that this podcast is for informational purposes only. My goal is to add to your medical knowledge and translate some of the weird medical stuff you hear so that when you do go to your doctor's visits, your visits will be more fruitful. I don't intend to replace your doctor. He or she is the one you should always consult about your own medical condition. Catch you next time. Stay healthy.